This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my very good friends and co-hosts, Eric Branson and Ryan Steiskel. How you doing, guys? Pretty oh, good. You know. Howling at the moon over oh, here. Oh. Always full of joys and giggles. Live, laugh, love. Eat people. Yeah. 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 Which feels like a good theme for this movie, right? Live, <laughs> yeah. laugh, love. Def- definitely. Yeah, this is a very definitely the dad character type of film, right? Yeah. yeah, so we've we've been chatting before we started recording, uh, just about other Halloween theme movies that we're watching because we are in the middle of our October watch nothing but scary movies uh, theme. So we'll be talking about one tonight. But uh, what else have you guys been watching? Well, we just got off of a twenty minute conversation slash review of uh, Hocus Pocus two that I have on the Skype recording. Maybe we'll make that into a special feature at some point because I'm not going to go back into it now on the show. <laughs> But, nope. um, yeah, so just splice it in. We, just poorly. We watched put that. The poor audio <laughs> just spliced right in. Yeah, it's about the only new um, movie actually. Also, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say I'm just I'm looking forward to uh, uh, Wolf by Night, which comes out a couple days from this recording. Uh, That's right. This, yeah. this, sh- this show would be the week after. Yeah. Right. So, so it'll be yeah. it'll be out already by the time people are hearing this. But yeah, we have not yet yeah. had the pleasure of seeing <laughs> that. So. Right. I mean, God, that was so good because we record these in a timely yeah, manner. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, no, we we just been watching these, and I started rewatching some of the Phantasm movies and uh, a couple good. weeks ago. Um, but you haven't really. I'm not going to work my way all through all of them again. It's been a while. I'll have to wait a few years before I do that again, but I will. Those are worth revisiting. But By the way, if you want to revisit the time we worked our way through the entire Phantasm series, we do have a show. I don't remember what number it is at the moment, and I'm not going to look it up, but it is way, it is way back there. Uh, I think it's before 100. Yeah, it is before. It's in our first somewhere in our first 100 shows we re- we reviewed the entire Phantasm series in one 90-minute special, which I believe Featured Sarah Peterson as our yeah. featured guest, so my wife was on there as the and she was never seen again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast we got a the phantasm theme. expert, in my opinion. She yeah. that we all have those movies that you know affected us as kids, and apparently that franchise was one of hers. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she actually introduced me to that franchise. So yeah, that's that's a special one. I do. Yeah, we definitely recommend you check that episode out. Uh, I yeah, mean, let's let, let's not cut around the bush. You both just got matching tattoos. We did. My wife and I both got matching phantasm tattoos. Yeah. Well, not matching, awesome. matching. Like, they, like, they, we, we both got a phantasm. complimentary. Yeah, complimentary. Yeah. Uh, I got a the sentinel ball, and she got the tuning fork, uh, and with the same text that says, "You play a good game." Yeah. Uh, which is from from the first well from a couple of the movies it's kind of like you know so, the, the, like the his the his and hers phantasm tattoos his and hers. It yeah. is. <laughs> that's right yeah. <laughs> so as couples but, do you yeah. know that's 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 right so but uh yeah. tonight we are going to be 
revisiting something um, that, God, I remember there being quite a lot of buzz when this was coming out, and then it faded into obscurity, which is perfect for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, tonight we are looking... And unfortunate yeah, for our time. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, so tonight <laughs> we are looking at the 2010 Joe Johnston film, The Wolfman. It was 25 years ago that my father found it. It was torn to pieces and half-eaten. Whatever did it was big, and Buckshot couldn't kill it. After that, my father went home and cast silver bullets. Wouldn't leave the house on a full moon from then on. And behold, the prodigal son returns. Hello, father. You've come for the funeral. What happened? Your brother's body was found in a ditch. They've been torn to pieces. If there's anything you need, please let me know. I want to know what happened to him. Francis Abilene, Scotland Yard. I cannot stress enough the mortal peril you're in. What kind of animal could have done such a thing? You're risking your life. Darkness comes for you. He's been quite seriously injured. Thank you for staying with me. Now we know it's still out there. You were bitten by the beast. You bear his mark now. Do you believe in curses? <laughs> you have to leave. What are you afraid of? There are those who doubt the power. Change men into beasts. A beast has come among us. Terrible things, Lawrence. You've done terrible things. Be strong, sir. Be strong. I am what they say I am. I'm a monster. I will kill all of you! Let me help you. This is uh, obviously a remake of the original 1941 Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr. Um, what was uh, your experience with this one, Ryan? Had you seen this one before? I actually saw it in theaters wow. when it came out, and promptly forgot about it for good for good reason. <laughs> I, uh, had you no, seen it since no. then before watching it for no no okay no. <laughs> no, I knew it, God, I can't no. say it, I I forgot it entirely existed I just didn't care <laughs> at yeah. that point um yeah uh, I will say like later on touch yeah. I, like I forgot how bad the effects were um <laughs> yeah definitely something I feel like when I watched it at the time like oh this is pretty good just watching it now super it's like, how did I think that. If you look yeah. at the names of who the special effects, you know, crew on here, it's it's very disappointing. And Rick Baker and oh. uh, yeah, anyway. it's yeah, yeah. The practical and the CGI uh, perfect blend was not mastered yet. No. Let's just put it yeah, that no. way. Yeah. And Van Helsing's werewolf is starting to look still pretty shitty, but no, regardless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you, Eric? Could you? Um, what was your experience with this? 
I saw it, and I I actually don't remember that. It's funny. It must be just how unmemorable the movie is, but um, I don't remember the circumstances. I can't even remember if I saw this in theaters or shortly after it came out on video, but I know I saw it when it was relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, saw it one time. I remember thinking it was having kind of a lukewarm reaction to it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either, and was just kind of like, okay, that was that. And then, just like Ryan said, I, I pretty promptly forgot about it existing. Unless I'm having a conversation about, like, you know, Universal Monster movies and the remakes and kind of the, the disasters they've had trying to reboot all of that stuff. I don't even... It doesn't even really compute that this this was a thing. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they had plans to do... <laughs> This was like the first wave of plans to kind of give rebirth to the Universal Monsters movies, and they've since gone through a second failed iteration. And God help them, they're still uh, they're working on a third one now. So we'll see what's uh, yeah after Tom Cruise um, derailed their last one. So. Yeah, this this is <laughs> a, a similar kind of story. I remember being really excited about this movie, and there being a lot of buzz, and then because it came out in. Uh, 2010 specifically I was reading yeah that the release date in Hollywood or in the United States was February 12 2010 which would have been two days after my daughter was born so yeah I wasn't going to movies so I waited <laughs> until this one came out in fact I, I went out and bought this on DVD because I was like oh, I know I'm gonna want to have it um, I watched it and it's been kind of sitting there ever since so to give you a quick synopsis because there's not really that much to give without really getting in deep into the movie um, after his brother is brutally murdered, an American actor named Lawrence Talbot, played by Benicio Del Toro, returns to his ancestral homeland where he is bitten by a werewolf and cursed to become one. Uh, also stars Anthony Hopkins, Emily Blunt, and Hugo Weaving. Yeah. So it's got this, a great cast. This movie has a cast it doesn't deserve. <laughs> no. Like, yeah. And I, I did, you know, this is the second kind of universal remake, though, in a way that we've seen that has Anthony Hopkins uh, and also not the first one we reviewed because when we talked about Bram Stoker's Dracula, Dracula yeah. he plays Van Helsing a much better Van Helsing than he plays uh, as John Papa the, Werewolf yeah, Papa, <laughs> I like that yeah. Papa, let's yeah. just call him Papa Werewolf that's yeah Papa Sir John Talbot Sir, Papa Werewolf Sir John Talbot Papa Werewolf yeah <laughs> um, um, I will say about the cast like I know it's it's a weird thing to say because this these this is a good cast in terms of these are good actors and like it's like it's weird to see him in a bad film but when i think about it, it's like no these group of actors are always good actors but somehow find their ways to bad films yeah yeah no this all of this them. entire yeah cast has been in their fair Looking share at you jungle cruise <laughs> fair share uh-huh. of bad movies but um mm-hmm. but yeah no they're they're fantastic and the acting the the I mean, the script's not even that great, but the caliber of acting and what they do with it, it's its all very well done. It's just they can't save the movie, unfortunately. Right. So yeah. I, I will this, say that Benicio... This, this, this movie stinks like a wet dog. Yeah. <laughs> Benicio Del Toro's, just his character design as, as a human mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. <laughs> is so similar looking. Like his to face Benicio looks so similar to Lon Chaney yeah. Jr., Yes, oh, they yeah. do a good job. It's like eerily similar. It, it's it's a shame that's I don't know. Honestly, I still think the forty one is a better film. <laughs> yeah, um, forty one Wolfman. It, it which you know all of the original Universals. You you could kind of you could critique them and say they have their problems, and you're not wrong. They do. Uh, they're yeah. they're. But yeah, I think uh, it's it's ultimately a superior film. Mostly, its simplicity is what I miss when watching this movie. It's like, wow, they really like 
That that happened every time they tried to remake one of these things. They'd take something that was a very simple, wonderful idea for, you know, a horror film, and they would interject, like, you know, all of this plot that you just didn't really care a whole lot about, and that's that's the yep. thing that first that drags this thing down right away. Well, and uh, that's so. something I wanted to kind of... I, I figured we could just kind of go through the, the, mm-hmm. the plot since we've given the basic synopsis, but that's one of the problems, is this plot is so bloated when it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Um, kind of boring, too. And, and yeah, there's a lot where... A lot of parts where there's just not much going on. We watched the unrated uh, director's cut of this movie, which includes 17 more minutes of footage. So I feel like... Are you some, serious? Yeah, some of, there was more to this? Some of that. No, that's what we saw. We saw it with the included yeah. 17 extra minutes. So some of yeah. that feeling of bloatedness you might be catching uh, you know, catching from that extra stuff. The theatrical, I think, was a bit tighter. Well, uh, honestly, however, I the, watched you this on the Peacock. Max fan. Oh, did you? Okay, so... Yeah, and it still felt pretty black. <laughs> I've seen the director's cut too. Yeah. Um, the Max von Sydow scene. You own it. I think, and you watched is, uh, it on Peacock. Yeah, yeah. I do that. Sometimes I refuse to touch that DVD. Sometimes. It's never gonna go in my fucking player ever again. <laughs> yeah, I refuse. It's a convenience Watch on Peacock. Thing. Fuck, I'll take the yeah. ads. I forgot about the Max von Sydow Break from the pain. Part. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's a scene that was uh, put back into the director's cut with Max von Sydow on the train that introduces like the history of the Wolf Kane. Um, that's kind of oh, a, that random kind of a fucking cool cameo that never paid off. Yeah. It was a good scene, but never. Yeah. I mean, it did pay off, but I mean, you know what I mean, right? Yep, sorry. I mean, it pretty much just places the the cane in, Tal, you know, Lawrence Talbot's possession, and you know, it's a sword, and he can use it later. Like, there's not a whole lot more than that. You get a cool little story, and you get I Max von Sydow's performance, and he's it. great. But yeah, it's it's honestly yeah, yeah. It, it's ultimately That's... inconsequential to the plot. Yeah. So. And I kind of, yeah, that's, I guess that's why I forgot about it. But, um, so the movie opens with, um, a a young man, Ben Talbot, which is going to be Lawrence's brother, who's being attacked by a monster in the woods, like a wolf, like a werewolf, right? Um, a British man with an American accent who is played by a Puerto Rican actor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Interesting casting choices, but yeah. Um, so, Who's supposed to be part Roma- Romani? Romani? Yes. Yeah, Romani. Yeah. Romani. Something. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Or maybe I'm saying that wrong. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So well, this 2010 film has no problem using the G word for all of oh, the people. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Right. Neither does Wikipedia. I was to be kind. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yes. So then Lawrence Talbot, who's this well-known Shakespearean actor, shows up and discovers you know he, he's there because he, he's heard that his brother's disappeared he gets there meets his father who's played by hopkins and finds out that his body's been you know he's been killed and he's horribly murdered and so there's a couple of good jump scare things where like when he first sees his brother's body and it's yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> yeah um oh it was so fucking quick though yeah it's just a quick flash and yeah. you're seeing flashbacks that Lawrence hasn't been home in a long time because he's, he witnessed his mother being, not murdered, but witnessed her you know, die. die from suicide. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's been life. delusional yeah. and all this stuff. And so he comes back and... He's estranged from his family at yeah. the point when yeah, we meet him. Mm-hmm. Which, but Well, he was also institutionalized after the fact when he was like 10. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those like, yeah, I don't really want to go back. Super quick note on Benicio del Toro's characterization uh, or portrayal of this character. 
I feel like when you see him doing his Shakespeare in uh, in the very beginning of the film, um, he did a very good job of channeling uh, Lon Chaney Jr. without without making a parody of Lon Chaney Jr. Like he gets mm-hmm. like this. Um, not only does he kind of look like him, but he 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 obviously has watched the film or, or and is embodying some of that. And if he didn't, then he he tapped into something in the ether because he he does a good job of kind of seeming like him but i feel like the closest he gets to parody is in the shakespeare scene where he kind of seems like he's doing a lon cheney jr because lon cheney jr is i love him but you know he's not he's not like the world's greatest thespian necessarily like he's he, he is what he, he is an every man yeah. yeah and uh i think it's just shakespeare scenes kind of funny because i feel like he's doing cheney jr doing shakespeare and that's how del toro plays it and it's i got a kick out of it but anyway mm-hmm. that was a long way of yeah. like a tiny little moment in the movie but yeah wow so, gotta pull no, out the positives i mean where that's we something that like a classic universal fan would really catch that i didn't so yeah I'm good that's on cool you. i will give you that yeah and i think <laughs> i'm trying to just watch this other but i watched it over a few days i'm trying to remember if that's in the theatrical cut or if that's in one of the deleted scenes from the director's cut yeah and it's been I've so long since i've seen the theatrical like I can't, I couldn't tell you. It yeah. might have been a scene that's cut. I don't know. I... Yeah. So after he realizes his brother's been murdered and he views the body, he goes down to get a drink at the bar, where he hears a lot of the locals talking about who could have done it, and they of course blame the the traveler camp. Um, the bear and yeah, the, the dancing, dancing bear. bear. Yep. Yeah. Which is a logical, like... That's a logic. Yeah. Out of all the things that they have done, that is the most logical thing. Yeah, I was going to say, out of all the stuff like, they say, that's the one that's not totally unfounded. Like, it's like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that, that one makes the most sense. They're like, oh, well, that thing's just mangy. It's like, yeah, but it's still the only animal around this part that could do that. If, this, if somebody was attacked by something with huge claws and there's a bear nearby, well, <laughs> you know, logical conclusion. Um... And actually, there's a really good scene that this leads to where the the villagers kind of raid the camp. But it happens to be on a full moon. And... Great timing. And that's when you see the werewolf show up. And it's it's a quick, chaotic, bloody... I was surprised the first time I saw this movie... Being that it's a remake of like kind of the Universal, and and they were they were really pushing this to the to like, you know, the uh, general public when they were promoting the film. Yeah, I was surprised even in the theatrical version that I originally saw how how like violent and kind of gory this movie actually is. Like it's yeah. so was I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I actually didn't really remember that about it until I saw it again. I was like, oh yeah, I'd forgotten how bloody this movie is, and it's not like it's like. Um, detailed like get you right in your face gory necessarily but it's like bloody like lots of blood blood spray and decapitations and i i will say that that definition varies on 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 the viewer (laughs) (laughs) because i that's all i could remember of this is just like being surprised like yeah when i went to see this like you said Mm -hmm. it was advertised for like you know a quite a general thing um audience i mean and seeing it going like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I guess I have to go through this. And, like, I was surprised, like, certain horror elements that they threw in here just 
just because because that was like the like what what creative thing can we do to the new werewolf movie i don't know since then they've been pretty bloody violent so let's just fucking throw that into this one too like the one thing that still sticks in my mind was the police constable who opened up like like an um like an uh, empty carriage during that scene that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And he gets his hand bit off, but no, it's when he gets two claws through the bottom of the jaw and then out of his mouth oh, and then yeah. yanked in like that. And I'm like, no, nah, I felt that. I felt that whole fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. If it <laughs> were random gashes, that effect, like it depends. Cause like the effects of this movie go back and forth, the CG. And that was a CG effect. Unfortunately, the underneath the, the head, mm-hmm. arm. So that one's kind of like it uh, doesn't. It doesn't need to be the realism. It's yeah, the concept yeah. for me. Um, it never has I, to look real. It's just the I concept. have like a really like fifty fifty on this movie because some of the practical effects are fantastic, and I love some of the like overly gory like kills and stuff in this movie. I actually think it, it's one of my favorite things about this movie because there's not a whole lot else to, to like really like you know celebrate about it, but. Uh, but then there's a lot of like interspersed, a lot of really bad CGI stuff. So I don't know. It's, it's which kind of like, ruins the practical. It does. It does yep. for me. Now I'm. I don't want to jump too far ahead, I guess, but mm. there they do show werewolf transformations in this, and kind of uh, as I've mentioned <laughs> many times on on the podcast before, and as you guys know personally. I'm a huge fan of werewolf mythos and films. I, I had just, no I idea. Love them. And I'm no I I'm a little picky about my werewolf designs and because American werewolf in uh, London see, that's is like the, the it, 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 yeah that's still it's my favorite fucking movie mm-hmm. but it's not my favorite werewolf design that's like howling that's my favorite is like the up the two legged but like wolf head kind bipedal of wolf like, bipedal yeah. wolf kind of thing is my hulking favorite. like big so. Yeah. You know, Wolfman style has never been my favorite, but I've got a lot of respect for it, and I still like it. And what they've done with the werewolf design in this is is cool. The transformation stuff is pretty bad because CGI just doesn't work. Yeah, the transformation is disappointing in this, especially being that it's a Rick Baker uh, special effects. She didn't do the... He did the makeup special effects for the movie, but still, Rick Baker's involved in this, you know, uh, process, and we get this kind of stilted, uh, overly edited cut cut away from CG transformation scene. Like you get yeah. you get bits and pieces of it, you don't really get the whole picture. You get like things that are straight up lifted out of American Werewolf in London, like the elongating hands and feet and, uh, uh-huh. but it's just, it's not done as well. So we have, a, it's the, yeah. it's the face stuff. That's yeah. It looks worst. very rubbery. It's like somebody CGI. took a spirit Halloween mask and just like kept stretching it around. Yeah. It's like, can we key out, can we key out the hands? Yeah, but, but, it. but that's yeah, it. it's still, but computer animated and it, it oh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe like again, this is 12 years old. Maybe if they were to, you know, Remat. I'm not suggesting they do that, but if they were to like remaster, they give it modern day visual effects. I still don't think it would look very good. Yeah. I mean, um, look at fucking Iron Man from 08. Yeah. Yeah. That still. Looks but then pretty, again, that still you know, looks pretty not good. To, not to say there isn't some modern CGI that doesn't look the fucking most greatest today, right. but, but I mean, that's I, its own I, controversy. I try not to be biased here, but yeah, anytime you got CGI with werewolves, it just doesn't work for me. You know, and. 
it's it doesn't even always have to be as bad as like an American Werewolf in Paris, which was really bad. <laughs> yeah, that's one but, we, we should suffer through someday or, to talk about. But yeah, or Bad Moon, the transformation scene in Bad Moon is pretty god awful. <laughs> yeah, I... um, but a great design, and this has kind of, in my opinion, either it's got a bad transformation, and the overall werewolf is just so uneven that it's it's CG across the board is subpar and even for 2010 like this even compared to its 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 contemporary films this is it's got some rough stuff in it including a really poor <laughs> the stupidest effect that just didn't work was the dancing bear that we mentioned yeah that is a bad cgi character like oh. really bad cgi character in the couple of seconds it's on screen but yeah yeah so so we we get this big chaotic slaughter scene that is hit or miss it's mostly good but there's some crack showing it's definitely what what it does is it's kind of one of the best scenes of the movie and it builds you up like okay this this could be good and then it just goes downhill from there well the, um to this point in the film are actually following the 1941 kurt soydmach script yeah. Like fairly, fairly well. Like it's it's a modern, it's an adaptation. It, it's funny, it's a modern adaptation that they've set in period, which the original film wasn't. But yeah, um, anyway, yeah. it's just a weird decision there. But general story points, they're following along pretty well until this point. After this, they go hit just off into whatever you know, like over plotting. But that, that's that's interesting that this was set in a period when it could have just been set. In the period that the like original <laughs> yeah. movie was set in, yeah, because it was contemporary in in forty one. Like it was just set like it was you know modern day. They were just in Eastern Europe, kind of you know, um, whatever the the universal <laughs> middle middle European village they made up or like country they made up for all this stuff to be happening in. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we get, and of course. Uh, Lawrence Talbot gets bit during this situation. And, you know, that's where it's still following the original story pretty well, where the the the, the Romany or the Traveler camp, you know, looking over, they're like, oh, they, they know. Oh, he's been bit. He's sitting here. He's injured. They actually contemplate killing him and say, no, because he can only be killed by someone that loves him. Again, kind of a theme from the original. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and then you start getting into the fever dreams, which are just again hit or miss. The the fever dream sequences in this are pretty awful. Actually, they just don't make a whole lot of sense. It's just kind of like here, let's put a few jump scares and some bunch of weirdness into like yeah yeah. And I'm surprised they didn't. And anyone who's seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas knows that Del Toro can be in a fever dream. Oh scene. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you got six tits on your back. <laughs> Benicio del Toro is one of those. Dear God, man! I mean, I don't know if he's really underrated because I mean he gets a lot of good work, but he's one of those guys that's just uh, maybe underutilized. Like he he should mm -hmm. be in more you know uh, leading roles like this, like you know in better movies. <laughs> yeah. So he he has his one thing that this movie doesn't do for as much as they just pack the plot in there, and I'm even trying to like describe it and piece it together it's kind of tough um is how there's really no big twist ending or anything like there's a, a big reveal like halfway through and oh yeah you know and which is so you know he he starts realizing he's got all these you know 
unnatural abilities. Uh, there's the investigation. People are trying to figure out what you know who killed everybody, and that the cops are looking at him because he's you know has a history of being kind of nuts. Yeah, he'd been um, in the asylum after his mother's death and whatever, which we find out about after the bite point. So we find out the kind of his own personal history. We had known earlier he had been estranged from his family, but I think that's when we get all this information about right. Yeah, and you know he's he's starting to question himself like maybe i did do these horrible things or maybe i'm dangerous or something um and he he goes down to his father's basement like to his of his there's a crypt down there and sees that there's like this cage essentially mm-hmm. like a sealed room yeah yeah with a giant iron door and he transforms, and that's when you really see him become the wolf man, and he runs around and kills some people. Yeah. yeah. It's probably be a know. good point to talk about the wolf man makeup in this. Like, the the actual physical makeup. Yeah. Um, Rick Baker, when hired for this, in fact, he pursued, when he found out Universal was doing this, he, like, basically called and wrote and did whatever to try and get this job, because it was kind of his dream job, one of his favorite films they were remaking. And um, Jack Pierce is kind of Rick Baker's, mm-hmm. you know, hero. Yeah. Um, and do you think, like, he did a decent job of sticking to his, his main thing was he wanted to stick to the, the spirit of the original Jack Pierce makeup of the Wolfman. And I think he did a good job with keeping to that, or... I, I feel I, like I think so. Yeah. I think so, too. I think that's yeah. one of the one of the strengths of this being, you know, something of a love letter to the original is that, you know, like it starts out, the the story starts out very, you know, like you said, it's a good adaptation. It's a, a deep, you know, it's, it's fine. The makeup, I feel too. <laughs> yeah, really... to spin through the reality of the words. Like, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to go over here. But yeah. no, I think the makeup in most, in a number of shots is really good. Um, there's still some issues I have with it. Like there's parts that are good. And then there's some scenes where it's like, that just looks like a mask because his mouth's just perpetually open and he's snarling and it, it looks like a bad prosthetic. Yeah. Like it's, I... it's not a very realistic looking makeup as far as like biological, which even I think the 41 did a better job of. Yeah. Which um, is crazy. Yeah. He can at least move his mouth, you know? Um, um, and this one, yeah. not really. I would say from this, like, partly, um, one, that particular image of a, what a wolfman is has been the main in media, mm-hmm. the main mainstream media, and all forms, goosebumps, and so on. You know, everything. Yep. That is the werewolf thing. So it gets so saturated, unfortunately. But I do think that in terms of, like, those versions of, uh, uh, to depict a werewolf, uh, yes, I think it's a very good representation. However, like I brought up earlier, the CGI just st- steals the show in the worst possible way. Yeah. It's like it's like you practice all your life to do something fantastic, and you do something, but then like <laughs> the rich 
the rich kid got on, got the first like got the main role and just took over the entire show and just turned it into a disaster. Yeah. And it's every time that he fucking moves his mouth, they do this artificial CGI jaw thing that I shit you not always reminded me of Van Helsing. Yeah. Like the Van Hel- the 2005 Van Helsing werewolf. Yeah. It's just like, ooh, this and is that, That's what I mean animated. by, like, when he's, he's not moving his mouth, I'm referring to the practical effects. Like, the practical effects in this aren't always very practical. Yeah. yeah. Like, for a still We're just doing it in post. But yeah. as far as, like, like I said, when he's wearing that makeup and it's not computer animated or augmented, it just looks like stationary makeup. Like, he can't doesn't move Ex- much he, he can't really act through it it's, he looks you know, so happy though right like, just that sneer i um i feel sneer. like it at its best points it was a great adaptation or a tribute to the jack mm-hmm. pierce makeup um i feel like it was inconsistent though even even on the practical side like whatever applications yeah. they 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 obviously use different applications for different scenes different purposes um some of them like you said just kind of look like they don't like it kind of looks like a static mask like it just doesn't have that lifelike motion to it which right. you know jack pierce pulled off in 41 with whatever he was working with you know it may say what you will about it but at least it moves with his face and it you know i think he literally just spirit gummed fur to Lon Chaney's face but <laughs> so, exactly what he did but, but yeah it, it totally works for what it needed to do and i think this movie's got moments where it really works uh, one thing I, I did find interesting, I feel like the old werewolf, the, the Sir John, Papa Werewolf makeup, actually was more of a direct uh, takeoff of the Lon Chaney Jr. werewolf, or wolfman, than the, you know, the Benicio Del Toro wolfman makeup was. They're, they're both based kind of on the same thing, but well, like it, the, it, the Sir John one literally looked like the same wolfman from the old. Yeah. Well, it also looks like anthony hopkins as a werewolf yeah like you like it's something about i think it's like the round the eyes and shit like huh i think they legitly just threw wolf makeup on anthony hopkins which is not a combo i expected i will argue that i feel that the benicio del toro werewolf makeup in this still feels more like the lon chaney uh version John Talbot, Anthony Hopkins makeup really reminds me of Oliver Reed in ah, the yes. Hammer film Curse of the Werewolf. I was going to bring up Curse of the Werewolf because I think there's almost equal amounts of influence on this film from that yeah. that, that than there is from the original. It's Wolfman like they're film, almost so. trying to remake two movies at once. Yeah, especially the setting and the yeah. setting it in London and yeah, it's just you're right. The Oliver Reed makeup they have their similarities to each other as well, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, which are getting getting ahead of ourselves a little bit in a, a plot point, but after after his transformation and killing a couple of hunters, Lawrence is, is is captured and he's put into a mental institution. And while he's in there being experimented on, um, no treated, treated right for his psychosis. His father shows yeah. up and torture ha- to bring him this huge exposition dump. Um, yeah. yeah. Where he explains that year twenty five years before or something like that, he was visiting. Um, oh God, what country was it? India. Um, India, mm-hmm. and he was bitten by a young boy who was feral and infected with you know lycanthropy, and so 
he's been a werewolf. He's been the one killing everybody, and he included, including his wife and son. Uh, oh yeah, and yeah. now you're one too. I really did not appreciate that the big reveal was in like a conversation scene, like like it just literally, like you said, it was an info dump, just like. Oh yep. yeah, by the way, here's the here's the mystery we've been building up in this entire movie. We're just going to like give it to you here in this yep. couple lines of dialogue. You know, I, no matter how I mean, great of not, an actor Anthony Hopkins is, that's disappointing. <laughs> it's, I I won't lie, it wasn't that well kept of a mystery. No, it like wasn't. just based on like so like the father character played by Hopkins like which is done in, in in his in his way but the problem is like the character is dead emotionally like as he states uh-huh. like after the trauma of like the death of his wife like and he does like kind of bring this up why in the cage so like it sounds like from what i understand he didn't really think he was a werewolf until he transformed and that's what that's the night that his wife died and then hence until up to recent events that whole time he caged himself every full moon. Uh-huh. But then there's this weird plot element where his where the where the son that stayed, the brother that died, is going to go and, away. And uh, uh, yeah, and and uh, and Blunt's character, the wife or the fiance, sorry. Uh, it, there's like this weird thing that like Anthony Hopkins is like, dare I say, kind of trying to imprint himself onto emily blunt's character yeah he's infatuated um, with her in a way that may or may not be like old pervy dude but like he's he certainly got oh a, it like, definitely old dog pervy dude yeah, yeah. um he certainly like it he even comes down the man needs a squirt bottle. originally he gives the story like well he was she was going to take him away referring to the brother but then later he literally says like she was going to leave me and so yeah there's there's definitely in some, the same like, sentence almost yeah, yeah. Right. so there's definitely yeah, that it was like, as a Again, not even subtext. It's there in the in the dialogue. So, but yeah, kind of. It was. It, it's very odd. Um, but yeah, so that happened. So then he's just like, yeah, you know, once I let the beast out, like fuck, this is kind of fun. I'm just gonna keep whipping it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna let you fuck. I'm gonna frame you for the murders. That's essentially how this kind of went down. Yeah. He, and that's kind of like so going yeah, back to much like, say this mystery I, I love you boy but uh you're going to take the fall for all this crap like you know but like from like like even like god the whole thing like from the beginning there's always like just flag after red flag like it was oh, like yeah. i feel like he's the werewolf um and then like that's right during the first transformation he when he lock anthony hopkins locks himself in the cage steps away with the glowing eyes and shit and it's just like okay and then yeah they would have to reveal it like right away with the info dump in the fucking cell it's just like okay yeah things don't get much the motivator there uh... yeah it it, it's the and even some of the dialogue with with anthony hopkins who i've seen again you know amazing actor has brought some of film's best characters to life yet everybody gets those bad movies and bad scripts and hearing anthony hopkins as a cynical old wolf man refer to his son as my young pup oh it's just like uh that that's a mood killer yeah um, i mean how many times in the movie can he fucking say ah oh, the prodigal son returns yeah, it's, like i swear I, to god you can drink to it yeah yeah 
the like the fourth time they said that, I'm like, okay, we get it. <laughs> like, s just stop, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I did. I will say this. I did kind of find it funny that the character that Anthony Hopkins was playing was cynical of his Shakespearean actor son. And then at one point he made a line like, you're not the only actor in the family. And I'm just thinking like, it's funny because he's, isn't Anthony Hopkins a Shakespearean actor? Yeah, Am certainly. I just making assumptions? No, yeah. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> many, so many, like, many times. It's like, yeah. And I don't think, nothing against Del Toro. I don't think he was. Um, he's a good actor, but I don't think he's yeah, I, Shakespearean. I don't know for sure like what, what stage work or whatever, but. Yeah, no, yeah. Hopkins definitely came from that background, so. Yeah, so there's like a weird little, not weird, but a funny little thing that I always gotta, gotta chuckle out of with those particular scenes between two actors. Like, ha! Because I can't find anything else to enjoy in this movie. Yeah, I mean, the, the shit, the acting in this movie is, is top-notch, even though, like, like things like, you know, the prodigal son and, and the pup lines, those are script problems for the most part. I think Anthony Hopkins is fine in this movie. Maybe not great. You know who is great in this movie? Benicio Del Toro is pretty good, but uh, is Hugo Weaving um, yeah. as the oh, inspector yeah. in this movie. Uh, the character is essentially undeveloped, but he he does everything he can possibly with the little bit he has to work with, and yeah, he's he's great at it. So I mean, the tavern scene was legitly funny for me yeah yeah and the woman like the owner he's asking for her bitters and she's just like are you gonna you should go out there hunting the thing listen lady <laughs> there's like so many people who live in this town and they all live within like walking distance of this tavern so i'm gonna spend the rest of my night here opens up newspaper can i get a bitters yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's very good at it. and emily blunt is good in here too she's yeah. wasted but she's, she's Good. Very much wasted. They 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 focus so much on this like father son daddy issues thing that's going on between uh, Hopkins and and Del Toro's character that she gets kind of lost in the fold. Even though everybody you know with the name Talbot apparently is in love with this woman, they, they don't really like do anything with the character besides eventually using her as a damsel. Which you know twenty ten yeah. I figure we could get a little bit better um, treatment here, Never. but yeah it doesn't we don't really <laughs> can never escape yeah. and, and to be totally fair the whole like cringy way they treat gwen in this that that i don't think was an intentional throwback but is still one nonetheless to the original <laughs> 41 film yes which, you know the the gwen character is is really creepy like how he handles that like he's essentially yeah lawrence is larry stalking her essentially <laughs> yeah and he she you won't take no for an answer he's a real pushy american you know kind of you know which was probably seen as a, a cool thing to be at 1941 unfortunately but yeah so yeah that is a throwback yeah. and i don't know if it was intentional but <laughs> right so, so there there's another big like slaughter scene where they're oh they're, yeah they, you know, the the doctors are all, you know, treating Doctor Honiger, is Honiger, Honiger, something like that. I don't remember. It's um, always like anytime yeah. you get a movie that takes place in a vintage time period, they have to show, yeah, like the, the how barbaric mental health treatment right. is. All the doctors, and then you get that. Yeah, all the doctors yeah. and medical students watching and stuff like that. And yeah, like very the theater, like, yeah. condescending. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then like of course like because it's a horror has to end in a 
cathartic slaughter of terrible people. <laughs> well, and even it's it's punny, which is kind of annoying. And you know, the the doctor says, you know, like, oh, he thinks he's a werewolf, but he is no more werewolf than I. He will not transform any more than I will sprout wings and fly out of the window. And right. of course, when Lawrence transforms, he throws him, throws out, the him out the window. Yeah, yeah. It, so it, the, this movie starts to starts in a place where I feel like it's got a decent grounding and it, it it had some potential, and it just slowly unravels like into these like you know I don't know creative decisions that I don't quite understand, and then yeah, I, the the plot takes it all over the place. Like it's got this whole like subsection in the in the like late second act. Um, in London, and that's where this all takes place in the asylum, and um, no, absolutely zero of that, besides the conversation with Anthony Hopkins, needs to be in this movie. Like it's, I I will <laughs> say, I did legitly chuckle and say out loud when he was after his transformation in the asylum, and he's running amok, 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 mm-hmm. all over uh, yeah. London and shit. I I did make the joke out loud, like, oh look, an American werewolf in London. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, he's an American. Yeah. And, and, but, um, yeah. yeah, and the running over the rooftops of London, obviously, is where I, like, immediately see the curse of the werewolf, you know, um, yeah. similarities. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are certainly some similarities oh, look, there. look, CGI but... vintage London. Yeah, yep. For sure. Yeah. So... I do have a thing. I did yep. have a thing for Eric's thing. I just want to make... I can tell you what's wrong with this plot based on my opinion and that is that this is not and this is it derailed from what the original movie is that this is not a movie about a man dealing with a curse because what they did is they took the you know when you have the first movie protagonist is also the villain has to deal with that this movie is we want to make the protagonist a, a a hero of not hero but you know like we want to like the werewolf man so let's throw in another werewolf man so they can just fight and he'll yep. be the bad we werewolf man they okay. took out yeah they took out what the whole point of a werewolf thing is is like like that 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 dealing with like the more uh animalistic and and evil parts of humanity you know the beast in us all you know like and that whole fucking dynamic the whole thing you could have fucking explored especially if you put it in a fucking like period piece in a time period to really show like what is civilized man quote unquote but they did none of that they're just like let's just have it a pissing match between father and son yeah yeah because well, they I, I felt like somebody at the table like that producer's table or whatever was just like had to get some werewolf fights in here. Well, where are we going to get werewolf fights? We got to have werewolves fight each other. Like that's because honestly, this whole yeah, movie is written around the concept of Be- getting Del Toro that. fight Hopkins yeah. <laughs> in fur costumes. <laughs> well, and you know, in the original one, there is still a a father son. There is, yeah. The thing the, because that dynamic John, is very much still yeah. there, and that yeah, Claude Rains plays. Yeah. Uh, yeah, John Talbot in the original, yeah. and and he's not a werewolf in the original, no. and he's the one who has to kill his son. Hence the whole like someone who loves you, mm-hmm. and he's not, you know, he has to do this. In, in this one, you're right, Brian. They turned they. This wasn't tragic enough. They had to add another tragic aspect to it, and a the Wolfman story from like the forty one Curse of the Werewolf, like these Wolfman stories, plural, right? 
always have like a tragic ending. That's why yeah. you know American Werewolf in London is a Wolfman movie. It's it has a tragic ending, and it has the same depth of plot as as the Forty One Wolfman because it works. And okay, so they didn't want to just do that again here, but the layer they added with John Sir John being a werewolf, a, a really really bad one, and making one of them a little bit nicer, just you're it. it it's like sticking a stick in the spokes of a bike, and it just tumbles the whole thing. Um, well, that's the whole problem. This was definitely during the time that MCU stuff was picking up 2010, you know? It's like yeah. Avengers didn't come out quite yet, but, like, you know, certain momentum. But they wanted to do a shared universe thing, because they were trying to go back to their old universal days. Mm -hmm. But the problem here... Which is the same problem with the with these other reboots in the shared universe thing, is that you're trying to make the monster a protagonist, which is kind of going against the original, like, why do we watch these? Because monsters, classic monsters, are supposed to be monsters. Yes, but the culture loves them. Yes, we love them. For being the monsters that they are. Yeah. Like, we don't need like them to be high caliber moral characters this one's very loose but anyways regardless they don't need to be a hero they need to have the tragic tale right yeah well like i mean this yeah, isn't a tragedy this is just a series of unfortunate events to, to be fair the original <laughs> universal monsters was a shared universe yeah Oh, you absolutely. Yeah, Wolfman comes back, and you know, well, but it's, yeah, and he gets his but Wolfman after, versus Frankenstein, you know? and then the big the, the monster mash movies like House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein, yeah. where they're all yeah, yeah, and that's but kind they were of still a shared villains universe. for the right, most for sure. part, exactly. It was manipulations and shit. But, yeah, but they're still human protagonists. The thing yeah. is, you and, don't and, have to with a werewolf character. You don't have to humanize a werewolf. They have that. When the full moon go, you know, goes yeah. down, they wake up the next day and they have to live with all these things they've done as the monster. Exactly. You already have that conflict. Like, it, there's already a human or a moral aspect to that character. You don't have to make them into like, literally an anti-hero and fight the big bad werewolf because they, they're fighting the werewolf already. Like, that's the whole, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, there's, there's kind of a theme of alcoholism potentially with this as well. Like, with that whole concept. I'm just using it yeah. as an example. Any kind of substance science. But, I mean, like, the idea of having, like, a character that has already has psychological trauma and questioning, like, like, oh, my God, am I a terrible person deep down? Like, there's so many fucking things you could have done, but that's not what this movie was about. This no. movie was made to cash in on a nostalgic feeling, to try to reboot a universe. It was, this whole movie was not meant to be, let's do a heart like a like a love letter to an original it is how can we exploit this we'll get people who appreciate the source material who are going to want to do this but executive creative decisions are going to ultimately yeah. like rule well they've been trying to do this, this entire thing every few years you know since the early oh 2000s God. the real like, monsters well maybe since the dracula <laughs> since brown Stoker's dracula was a big hit like a, you know redo this thing and maybe this was a response to because it had been a few years since Van Helsing, but maybe it was a response to kind of the lukewarm reaction that that had because that was kind of a reboot of the Universal Monsters as well. Um, 
and they reboot this thing like an old fucking like lawnmower. Yeah, and then this every fucking this came pull out and failed this, they fucking had plans start. for all this stuff to happen around this movie, and there's going to be a spinoff, and then maybe eventually some other of the properties were going to kind of be built into this. So they had ideas for this. This movie comes out isn't real successful. That goes down. Then, <laughs> so then a few years later, we get the start of Dark Universe with uh, you know Dracula Untold, and then eventually ending up the last of those being the Tom Cruise mummy movie that kind of put the nail in the coffin. But And like, even that's loose. Yeah, even that yeah. was loosely. Like, they didn't mean to tie those. They, like, but they were, we might tie these. Well, they tied them together in, in post, like, they, they, like, like post-wise, because post. they were like, well, since we already had that movie, we'll, you know, we'll bring Luke Evans on as Dracula in, in this shared universe we're building. But Yeah, and have The happen. Rock be the werewolf, man. Yeah, yeah. So. That was a thing. But and they're gonna but they're, they're gonna, gonna try, try this to do again, it again with there, Ryan Gosling. There's plans. There's a Wolfman yeah. movie supposedly in pre-production that's going to happen. Yeah, with Ryan Gosling playing the lead character. He also has a, a role producing the film, so we'll see if that has any. Uh... Yeah. Well, so did Del Toro. But this is this, this is based on the the new approach is 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 a more down to earth realistic approach based on kind of the thing they did with the new Invisible Man film. So it's gonna uh-huh. yeah. Anyway, we'll see what. What they Here's do, but I'm, I'm a little worried just because it just they don't seem to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if you want to get a director who can reboot or 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 redo a nostalgic property, uh, but do it in a way that actually feels sincerely heartfelt and really does add like a sense of atmosphere and beauty to the cinema. Get the director who did Dune and uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, Dennis Villanueva or Denny, I think maybe that's how you say his name. But Just have him do all these down the line. Just give him the work. He seems to handle it very well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's my criticism. Get a a three-hour-long, overly complicated Wolfman movie, kind of like this one was. Yes. Just a real human tragedy. (laughs) Well, so to wrap up the story, they have their big fight, and oh god, fire, John Firewolf isn't. in that last fight is the worst piece of CGI in this whole movie. It even oh, beats the god. dancing bear, but yeah, yeah, and John gets his head cut off, and it's a terrible. He gets, he gets a, it's a it's a rough whack off. Yeah, that's what the, it is. Yeah. It is a hard. Yeah, this this and Del Toro Wolf. It's like man that Batman Robin meme. Knocks exactly. some heads off in this movie. Like that's a, yeah. that's a class a move of his. He uses multiple times. So yeah, and so <laughs> as the five fingers say to the face, still slaps. Still as a werewolf, he chases after Gwen, and she pleads, and she's like, "Oh, Lawrence, it's me, it's me." Yeah. and you see like the change in his eyes. Finally, in those last five minutes, we get. A Wolfman movie. We get the dark woods yeah. chasing yeah. through the yeah. It's, that that's all we really wanted, and we didn't get it till after all this like two hours of ridiculousness and so. yeah. But. And so as all the police and villagers and stuff are coming up, Gwen is able to kill him. She shoots the Wolfman, and so like they've they've now done their you know killed by someone he loves. Ah, how sweet. But um, I what's his name the um. Hugo, Aberlein, uh, yeah, yeah, Victor Hugo's uh, character has been injured by the Wolfman, and so it ends with him essentially realizing that the curse has been passed to him. Yeah. Um, and of course, you get and, a howl, yeah. full moon, full oh, moon and howling. Oh, what sweet irony! Yeah. yeah, really bad howling too. Like the howling, the howl- in this movie is yeah, the howl in this movie is really bad. Yeah, yeah. it's very hoarse and. 
So yeah, that's what we're left with with uh, with the 2010 remake of The Wolfman. It, it was disappointing. I mean, yeah. I I was really excited to see it, and I think when I finally got to see it, I really liked it. But I haven't gone back and watched it since until the other day, and yeah, it it it's not it's not nearly as good as I remember it being. Yeah. And I think a lot that says a lot about you know being excited to see something and so you're willing to give it a lot of passes but rewatching it's not which is a shame because again it you've got this is one of those movies that looks great on paper joe johnson's director competent director he's a good he's not just competent he's a good director um you know you've got this great cast benicio del toro anthony hopkins emily blunt hugo weaving and on and and, you know cameo with max von seto in one version and Oh, Rick Baker's doing the makeup effects. Awesome. Danny Elfman does the music. Yeah. yeah Danny Elfman, it. yeah. The score, but good score, yeah. too. And it just fails at every step. Like, as we <laughs> well, talked about, the makeup could have been better. The visual effects could have been a lot better. The script could have been better. The The acting's fine, but they're not given anything to work with. Right. The acting's actually pretty I, incredible, I, considering how poor the script is in most places, but... Yeah, I feel like like what you said about like the stick in the spokes earlier, Joe. That like it's it's the studio itself. Yeah, was the person who put the sticks in the spokes, or like it usually is. It just it just it just got up and go like, oh, how could this have happened? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like yeah, it's crazy. It's almost as if you guys don't have a creative bone in your body. Well, um, I, and you always make bad decisions. Yeah. When has there ever like I'm sure there has to be a few situations where it worked out, but when has there ever been a situation like named on one, like listed on one hand, counted on one hand, sorry, uh, where an executive influence or studio decision ultimately paid off like brilliantly in the end in terms of like an enjoyable creative endeavor. One. Yeah. That's the only one I can think of. Yeah, they fired the director. Well, I mean, okay, we didn't get that version of the story, but that's what happened. So, and then reshot yeah. the last part of the movie. So, and it actually paid. How was he going to end it? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. I, I I think it's generally the same kind of. It's a tragic ending either way. Like the script always called for that, but it's just a little different run of events. I don't. I'm not sure, but yeah, um, Gareth. Edwards, I think his name is the original, but who directed most of the movie, um, was replaced, and I don't know by who, but I don't remember. Huh. But yeah, it's the one time that oh, I remember shit. like them them pulling one of those because usually we've talked about it a bunch of times when you change directors mid movie, it's usually usually a sign for trouble, and you can usually tell uh, in the final product that it's kind of the work of two people butting heads. But yeah. It worked out. Yeah, I can think. Of Let's a just say, of for the sake of my, for the drama and sake of my argument, it never ever happens. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just a bit north In, in, in this case, I don't even feel like it's Joe Johnston like botched it or something like that. It's no, just you know he. I want the the movie dev, definitely doesn't have a great pace to it. No, like especially it, with the 17 extra minutes of footage, it's it's slow at some points. So, but I think the problem with that is there's too much story than is really necessary for what they're trying to do here. So um, 
I don't. Do you want to? Do you want to just jump into final thoughts and, and yeah, yeah, let's on do this that. one? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Ryan, let's start with you. Well, it's kind of like going back to like this. This this film was definitely like it came out of bad intentions, honestly, and you can see it. Like it has that feel of like studio trying to take an IP that it owns, you know, uh, and just turn it into something make it relevant try to gain money and that's what they're doing despite the efforts of the cast and uh the uh most of the effects <laughs> um and the direction like you know trying to make some human elements in the story but it's just it just it's where they're trying to make it interesting it's born and where it should be interesting it's a mess um you want this to work it it doesn't work it is it is just that one of those movies that someone's just trying to make an e what they felt was going to be an easy buck um and it just feels it it feels very heartless it, which is weird to say like because some of the things like eric pointed out about um you know how he felt like de toro uh del toro was trying to really like bring out some cheney and but it's just like didn't feel any heart in this at all and it's ugly like it's it's very much like the it's just not a beautiful film which is weird because they have beautiful beautiful scenery i feel like there's always like a good good intention with everything that's approached and you can see that but there's always another half of it that just fucking ruins it entirely like you have like you know some of these practical effects like they really kind of channel like some cool werewolf and cgi ruined it like all oh, these locations are beautiful but they're all kind of monotoned it's like all oh, this cast is amazing and they literally literally one of the characters has no emotions mm-hmm. from an actor anthony hopkins so it's just one of those like huh yeah. i'm done <laughs> like this movie was boring like this movie i was surprised that i watched the 17 additional minutes because it went for me like this went fast but not excitingly so but um i'm supposed to give this a grade i it's kind of a d minus if i'm gonna be nice about it yeah i think that's about right it's just not a very memorable movie and i don't think anyone really needs to see this yeah what do you think eric yeah, I'm gonna echo a lot of uh, what Ryan said there. Um, I did want to like Let real quickly because he, well, yeah, he brought up the look of the film and that there's a lot of very beautiful moments or at least good intentions. I think the production design of this film is fantastic. And one thing I didn't bring up that's a major tribute to the original Universal films is the kind of backdrop of the like little European village. Uh, oh the, yeah, the yeah. look of the film, the way they shot it in kind of blue tones, really, really emulates the black and white like uh, there's a lot of like visual cues not just in the makeup but things that are just straight out of that all of that somebody you know whether it's joe johnston or you know somebody in there really cared about doing that at some point but then obviously there's there's a bunch of like like that's the main thing that bugs me about this it's totally inconsistent there's some like really great moments and then they're followed by just just garbage you know terrible decisions bad special effects things that seem rushed things that seem unimportant bloated plot like so um 
Yeah, I just don't really care for the plot of the movie at all. Past that initial like, uh, you know, encampment, getting bit by the werewolf, because we we did we kind of turn left from the original plot of the movie, the, the original movie at that point, and it just it's more mangled than some of these corpses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, special effects are spotty, unfortunately. I think Rick Baker's makeup's great in moments, and then it's not in others, and the CGI's all pretty bad. Uh, I mentioned Fire Werewolf, and that's, like, one of the greatest sins at this side of Van Helsing. So, uh, like, actually, it's worse than I think okay, anything. It's, yeah. it's, you can, you can <laughs> so, almost smell yeah. it. Like, mm, it's burnt it's dog just hair. a bad special effect. It doesn't, uh, not convincing at all, and just doesn't really fit in a film like this. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that just doesn't feel like it lives in this movie. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to really uh, agree with the the last thing you said either is that ultimately like remakes have to bring something to the table that makes them um, you know, stand on their own two legs and this did not do that. No one needs to see this. Just go watch The Wolfman for Christ's sakes. It's a much better movie. So, um, yeah. it's uh yeah, I, I think originally I was going to give this a C minus, but after kind of digesting it and breaking down some of the things, I'm going to move this down to a D a D. I was going to say plus, but yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is, but yeah, it's, it's not a good movie. It's got some good moments. I mean, if you're a universal mega fan, maybe check it out for those couple of things that you're going to be like, oh, I like that little moment, what they did there. But other than that, I can't really recommend it. You can just YouTube clip this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, (laughs) I, I would, so, you know, like making a film isn't in some ways it's like cooking right like you have to have the right ingredients and you have to have the right procedure and depending on what you're making it might be more involved than others and this is a film that has great ingredients and it's a good recipe but somebody who's doing it doesn't know what the like it's every step is getting botched up though yeah. and every every ingredient is getting kind of ruined um my big thing is you know the a good werewolf story doesn't need a lot of complexity. It's it's a story about a human being essentially in that duality with with being primal and brutal. That's what it comes down to. And then you had the you know there's the tropes. You had the gore effects and the transformation scene and all this too. And there's a mythos and a lore and all that. This adds way too much. And even the whole like oh there's you know good werewolf bad werewolf essentially you've turned the wolfman into an anti-hero when you don't need to and there's this isn't the only movie that's done it i i briefly mentioned american werewolf in paris before it does that as well and that just doesn't work um be, in my opinion because i think a, a good werewolf story or a wolfman story needs to just focus on what's happening with this individual it's a it's a very human story in in many ways so this being a remake of the 1941 wolfman they tried to copy some style the the sets and the period piece fine again no reason for it you don't need to set it in a period because this could be you know this could take place anywhere but i get it they're trying to do an homage to curse of the world and a film we haven't mentioned that also has a lot of influence on this is uh, werewolf of london yeah, you know, an even earlier film. So not the Warren Zebon song, but the uh, yeah, not not the Warren Zebon song. <laughs> uh, but it, they do all these make all these decisions to try to do something with the plot, but it's all unnecessary and it doesn't work. 
if you really want to see a good remake of The Wolfman, might I recommend the 1981 American Werewolf in London? It's pretty much a better remake of The Wolfman than than this is. Um, it's got a lot of the same themes that made that original 41 work, and unfortunately this one doesn't. The cast is good but wasted. The effects are very... Sp- the makeup effects are good but wasted, and the CGI is terrible. The script is lame. The story's boring. So, ultimately, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this one a D as well. So, yeah, it's it, 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 there's some memorable parts, but really not many. So uh, The D's have the it. The D's have it. <laughs> Yeah. So that's our view of an American. Uh, that's our view of the Wolfman, the nineteen uh, shit. Jesus Christ, the twenty ten remake I, of the Wolfman. That's how forgettable it is. I'm already forgetting what movie we're talking about. You know, you know. Um, I feel like a good character, uh, based off our grades, uh, to quote a good character or what a good character would say is uh, DJ from uh, Last Jedi would probably call this a dud. That's right. With our of our D's. Ha ha, I made a stutter joke. I'm going to hell. <laughs> so we would love to know, though, what any of our listeners think of the 2010 remake of The Wolfman. <laughs> uh, what are your opinions on this one? How do you think it compares to the original? Or what's your favorite werewolf movie this Halloween season? Uh, feel free to send any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms to the Video Junk Air podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod and on our Instagram and Facebook Video Junk Air podcast pages. If you write it, we'll read it, and we look forward to hearing from you. And if you like what you hear, I'd uh, appreciate if you head over to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash videojunkyard consider giving a small donation that helps us create this podcast uh, with that small donation you of course get a couple of perks we do have exclusive content and the ability to pick movies that we will review review on the show and uh, that is um, a real thing or coming that's coming to fruition our two uh, Patrons that are, we are very grateful for their donations. Uh, Scott Stewart and Tony Rodriguez are each getting a pick uh, that's coming up on the show uh, in the next few weeks, maybe months. We'll see. But uh, we gotta get through some holiday yeah, specials. Gotta get through the boys. holidays. Sorry, here, but yeah, are getting getting their picks on the show. So you got something you want to make sure that we get on the show? Then uh, head over to Patreon and and uh, sign up to be one of our patrons, and you get to. Uh, tell us what to watch uh, coming up more halloween movies we're going to be looking at uh the frighteners next week and um well and maybe in that order we haven't discussed for sure but we're going to be looking at the frighteners and uh 1990 uh musical horror comedy rockula which uh yeah i'm looking forward to kind of <laughs> so <laughs> I hope you'll come back and join us for those as well as many other wonderful things after the Halloween holidays. And we uh, hope you've enjoyed listening to the Video Junkyard podcast and you'll stick with us not only through our Halloween season but uh, beyond and we hope you'll also share it around with those you like or maybe those you don't. Uh, So check us out next time and until then this is the Video Junkyard podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. And I'm Ryan Sasko saying if you're going to go see The Wolfman... As your attorney, I advise you to rent a very fast car, no top, and you need the cocaine. Tape recorder for special music, Acapulco shirts, and get the hell out of L.A. for at least 48 hours. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. 
You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word want to thank you again for listening and keep digging who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.